Hello, Ash Alcoholic. Yeah. So glad to be here. Thank you, Anna, for asking me to speak. I'm oh my gosh, this podium is scary. Um, I'm a very grateful alcoholic, and I'm really honored to be here tonight. Um, speaking of the stories in the back, I thought I'd kick off my share with something out of the back, and it's off of page 328 from the uh, from the story crossing the river of denial. Denial is the most cunning, baffling, and powerful part of my disease, the disease of alcoholism. When I look back now, it's hard to imagine I didn't see a problem with my drinking, but instead of seeing the truth when all the yets, as in that hasn't happened to me yet, started happening, I just kept lowering my standards. So that pretty much explains what it was like for me. Um, I drank denial cocktails for a very long time. I um, started drinking when I was 13 years old, and I fell in love with alcohol. I really loved alcohol. I loved what it did to me. Um, and ever since my first drink, there was consequences. So it wasn't like I had a whole bunch of fun. It was more like consequences start happening immediately. I mean, I was puking in the sink of my best friend's house. And then I got in trouble for puking in the sink. And then the next time I drank, it was I was blacked out. And I went into an alley and I was missing for three hours. And then I showed up at my front doorstep at five in the morning and my dad was like where have you been all night and I was like well you don't want to know um and my dad is here tonight so I thought I'd share some stories about my dad um so my drinking when it was at its peak at 13 years old I <laughs> I uh had this futon in my house and I would stuff all of my like old paraphernalia in there. My little Zong was in there. I had some weed in there. I had some, you know, old alcohol bottles and I just collected all my stuff in this, the bottom of this futon. And my dad walks into the room and he sits down and he's like, clink, 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 clink. And then like literally the gig was up. I thought I was so clever. Um, and then it turned into a war in my house. Like, where does this come from? How long have this been up to you? I know you've been getting into trouble lately, but you know. And so the gig was up and I'm a runner. I run from my problems. I have always ran from my problems. So what I did was I ran as fast as I could. I booked it out of the house and I ran for miles. And my dad actually chased me for miles. And I thought he would get tired because he was old. And he kept running. He kept running and running and running. And I decided to find a car and like park it under the car and hide under the car. And I just saw his little legs like run by. And um, so that's kind of how my drinking was in my teen years. And um, so fun, fun times. That was the fun times that I had drinking. Um, running away. Um, and then I started, you know, I got a job. I went to college. I proved my parents wrong. You know, um, I was going to be successful and, you know, we have dreams like alcoholics have dreams too. And I had a dream of being a fashion designer. And, um, so I went to fit him and then, uh, drinking there was really fun too. I would get very, very plastered there with the friends that I made. Um, I always found the right people uh, to drink with. And um, so I drank there and then it, I crossed this line. I don't know where or when, but it started to become an isolated drinking. 
And um, it was at night at home. I had my own apartment, so I have arrived, you know, in LA. I'm like, oh, I can afford my own apartment. I got a car, I got a boyfriend. Um, and I really thought I had arrived, but you know, the drinking got very isolated. The boyfriend also dumped me because I got into his drugs. Like he had prescription medicine and I found prescription medication and that was great. Um, I loved mixing. I loved my little cocktails. And, um, so we got in a fight one day and, um, I crossed this weird line of like, I black out. And again, here I found myself running and, I just ran away. We get in a fight, a blow up fight. I just literally would book it. Like I would be like, bye. And then start running away. And, um, and then I ended up like on the streets of downtown LA and I was like crying and in this blackout telling people I want to die. And then next thing I know, I'm in a hospital, um, three day hold for wanting to kill myself. And, uh, that was the first asylum that I saw. And I told myself, I'm never going back there. So what did I do? I knew about AA, but um, at this time I knew about AA because I always tried to get my mom to go to AA because I have an alcoholic mother. And um, so I was like, maybe I'll check that place out because my life at this point is not looking too good. No boyfriend, you know, I'm alone. Just the loneliness killed me. And um, and the demoralization of like embarrassing myself uh, every time I got blacked out uh, with people, it was just horrifying. Oh my God, I have five minutes. Um, so I walk into AA and <laughs> I walk into AA, I get a sponsor and um, I'm looking at this woman across the room. She's glowing. She's literally glowing. She's smiling. And I'm just like, how is she so happy? I don't understand. Like, that's what I want. That was the attractiveness of the program. Um, so I asked her my sponsor and, um, within we did my fifth step and I could not get honest with my step work. I, there was just some stuff that I wanted to hold on to. And so when I did that fifth step, my sponsor asked me, is there anything else? Is there anything else that you're holding on to Ash? Like, this is the time you can just tell me whatever's on your mind. Cause it's pretty heavy. You go through like a lot of resentments and you go through your part and it's scary. And, um, and so I just held on to that and I walked away that night and I relapsed. And, um, this time I was a little more serious. I tried to take my life because I couldn't imagine a life being sober and I couldn't imagine a life with alcohol at this point because I was so afraid of what alcoholism can do to a person I saw it happening with my mom and my mom was in the hospital at this point dying from alcoholism and I was like I can't drink anymore and I can't live anymore so let's just try to kill myself so I took a bunch of pills and I thought I would uh, be successful at that and I wasn't. I ended up in um, a 30-day hold this time, and I was graduated from the 5150 to the 5250. And I was like, yes, I have arrived, you know? And, um, and oh my gosh, let me tell you, I was in a, in a psych ward where people were trying to braid my hair and get close to me and try to be my friend. And I'm like, God, I'm so scared. And I couldn't smoke. I couldn't do anything I wanted to do. And I was pissed. I was so mad that I had oh, yet again come to this place that I said I would never come back to. And um, what happened was my dad ended up finding me in this hospital 
Um, cause he had been looking for me and this has been a theme like dad looking for Ash, where's Ash? She's gone again, worried about her, his daughter, um, just worried about the condition of where I was at. And, um, he got on the phone with me, finally found me and said, Hey, I need you more than you need me. I'm getting sober too. And so he got sober. And so that was crazy. Um, and then, then I told myself, I'm going to do everything differently this time. I'm, I'm going to get honest. I'm going to stay open-minded. I'm going to get into action. I'm going to get commitments. And um, my sponsor really helped me get out of uh, this weird depression that I was in in my first year. Getting at, getting to meetings was really hard at first. And um, three months into my sobriety, my mom had passed away. And I thought, I didn't know how I was going to get through that. Um, I didn't think I was going to drink because drinking was off the table, but just living life, you know, sad and depressed and feeling like I'm alone. But A has taught me that you never have to do anything alone ever again. Um, there's always someone's hands always reaching out to help me. And they've really just carried me through me and my dad through this like awful grief and, um, getting emotional. Um, my sponsor came to that hospital with me and told my mom that everything's going to, her little girl was going to be okay. And she wasn't wrong. I am okay today. <laughs> and, um, I'm more than okay. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I have a little life that I never thought I would have. Um, I have a relationship with my dad that I never had. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be sober and like, actually happy you know and um I never thought I could, could be happy um I have a camaraderie of friends a fellowship around me um I have a higher power in my life that is only a thought away I only have to think it and then that's my and that's my higher power I'm just like hey God what's up today God what's what do you have in store for me today and it's very simple um I say my prayers in the morning when I wake up and I get into action and faith of that works is dead. I know if I'm not into action, I will surely be in another asylum again. I don't ever want to go back there. So <laughs> thank you for letting me share.